Welcome to the first cold open in the history of the sports splits and who watched the Zwei Bundesliga playoff yesterday between Heidenheim and Werder Bremen because to be honest I've decided I'm a bit too into German football based on the fact that I my reaction to the ending of that game was not exactly suitable for Gogglebox and yeah, got a bit shouty and swearing. Now, bearing in mind that Heidenheim are a team I've never really cared about before the Hamburg game earlier this year. Never supported and don't really know much about. So, why I was getting that involved in their game against Werder Bremen is beyond me. But anyway, it was going to be at this part if Heidenheim had won and claimed promotion that I would have congratulated them on their promotion. So, I should be doing it for Werder instead. But, no, no. I'm just going to run the intro instead. Hello and welcome to the Sports Split. Coming up on today's show, Formula One comes back with a bang and a crash and a wheel falling off and a spinella. We talk about the Austrian Grand Prix, Real Madrid inch closer to the title as Barcelona finally wake up. We talk about our favourite soccer over the weekend. Plus a bigger victory for Oscar Lindblom, the GOAT wins title 13 and jumping into the river for naught. That's all coming up on Tuesday's Sports Split. And welcome to the show, I hope we're doing well this week, I hope this podcast is finding you in good health as per usual. Please don't go for the pubs yet, I mean some of them were crammed packed around here. Not that I went, that is not an eyewitness report for the record, I spent all of my weekend, guess what, watching sport. <laughs> Leeds won, so good. One game closer now, five games to go, we need to get ten points in the next five games to guarantee ourselves promotion. We're getting closer, but I'm not going to get the champagne out yet. It's not even on ice, it doesn't need to be on ice yet. And of course, Formula 1 as well came back this week, it's so nice to have it back. And as a McLaren fan, it was really nice to see Lando get on the podium, which you'll be able to see later on. This podcast is dropping on July 7th, 2020. Remember, the Sports Splits can be found on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, which I've now only just found out we are actually on after using my mum's phone to find out. So we are on Apple Podcasts as well. And we have a website with great articles and other audio content that can be found at the thesportsplitsblog.wordpress.com. On the blog this week, we did our first ever article version of the Sports Splits because we didn't do a podcast last Friday. So we had an article version of the Sports Splits up instead. 2,500 words of me rambling on about stuff. The Weekly Blitz, as per usual, came out yesterday. The main part of it being how the MLB got its all-star game. When Canadian football entered America, I thought that was quite an interesting article. The CFL expanding into the United States, which was always a colossally stupid idea. It did work, though, for some teams and not so much for others. The Baltimore Stallions being the key example of where the CFL works. It's also how the CFL died. And the championship run in Analyzed came out as well. I also broke down our first 100 articles on the sports blitz, looked at Bobby Bonilla Day, why emphasis about the Premier League needs to die as well. So many great articles went up on the sports blitz blog.wordpress.com this week. And quick spoiler, we are going to change the URL soon. So don't go and favourite the sports blitz blog.wordpress.com because it will not be our URL for much longer, hopefully. Anyway, we have nothing more to be said. I hope you enjoy episode 38 of the sports blitz. And on the sports splits today, the usual panel, Josh, Will and Harry, hello. Hi there. We're back, all of us. 
together for the first we time. We are indeed. I mean, it's, it's only been a week since we last did a podcast, so... Yeah, but I haven't been here for two or three weeks. Okie doke. Yay. How was everyone's weekend? Very glad to have uh, Formula One back, certainly. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I think I watched every session. Every minute. Yeah. Of every doke. session. I yeah. just watched the race and a bit of qualifying. Yeah, I, I just watched the race because I didn't even know the race was on until Saturday evening. But yeah, uh, pretty good weekend. Uh, Overwatch League has been having a lot of fun with its tournaments. Very good tournament this past weekend. Had a lot of fun. Meanwhile, I spent the part of my weekend that wasn't watching Formula 1 complaining about refereeing. It, it, it wasn't a free kick. It, it wasn't a free... I don't care that we... It wasn't a free kick. Also, if the linesman directly next to the play gives a corner, you should not overrule him when you're 40 yards away. No! Bamford 3 and 4, though. So, you know... And the, uh, the Matrix glitch continues. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. He's, he's the best ruining... strike in the championship, I'm sure of it. He's ruining our meme. I'm not happy with him. <laughs> Hang on. Okay. No, 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 no. Because... When he started his goal-scoring run, it was against Huddersfield, which, if you remember back to the A Beautiful pre-game before that Huddersfield game, was us positively jinxing him. The positive jinx continues, which shows that the Sports Blitz is the single Has most influential power. sports podcast ever. I See? mean, you can't deny that logic, can yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. So, actually, it's a, really good, it's a real good thing for us. It could get us some marketing. Right, let's go into the weekend then. I was going to, going to start by asking for everyone's favourite event of the weekend, but instead of doing that, we're just going to start with Austria because that just cuts the nonsense out. So, the Austrian Grand Prix won by Valtteri Bottas, the first of two races we'll have in Austria to kick off the 2020 Formula 1 season. Before we go into the actual race itself, Red Bull over the weekend lodged a complaint over DAS. It was overruled by Formula 1. I did like the Mercedes Twitter going, das is good afterwards. But, <laughs> I mean, they had no leg to stand on, right? No, I don't think so. It seemed fairly clear cut i don't know what you guys think i mean the the point the argument was is it part of a steering column or is it part of a suspension and in the fia's rule book you cannot alter your setup of a car during park ferme so if it was to do with the suspension it would have been deemed illegal but it was therefore deemed part of a steering column and steering setup so it is legal uh, and it has given mercedes a massive advantage for this season um Credit to Red Bull, they did actually uh, ask for a review of a decision on Friday after free practice two and put in their formal protest, which is like the way of just saying, excuse me, no thank you, overnight on Friday, rather than doing it after qualifying, which they are in their right to do, which if successful for Red Bull would have disqualified Mercedes instantaneously from the race. So they, yeah. they did have some sporting aims there. Um, of course, Red so, Bull like, as well were the team that got Lewis Hamilton his grid penalty after showing footage yeah. from the 360-degree camera on the nose that showed that Lewis Hamilton failed to slow for yellow flags that he did see during qualifying three. Yes, it was uh, slightly harsh, but it was done so late. But, you know, he did miss the yellows. Um, I'll admit it was a bit of a... We've all seen it before, where the person on pole 
realizes he's going slower on his final qualifying lap, so accidentally goes into a mm. wall. To a it's Nico Rosberg at Monaco all over again. I think it was Rosberg's done it. Schumacher did it. Yeah. I don't think Bottas did it on purpose. Bottas is not no. kind of a driver, but it's funny. How it looked to happened. me that he got the braking turn wrong. Yeah. Yeah, he locked Which, up. you know, happens to all of us. Not to me, I've never raced in a Formula 1 car, <laughs> so it doesn't happen to all of us. Have you not? Neither have no. I, funnily enough. I I won the... I've, I've won the World Championship on, on video games before, mostly with Red Bull. I mean, that's basically the same thing. Yeah, so. it's absolutely the same thing. A lot of drivers went out. Verstappen, Ricardo, Stroll, uh, Russell, many others with various problems that just had them go off. How much of it can be blamed on the heat? Because they kept they kept saying on the broadcast, oh, the heat's really getting to these cars. Obviously, not for Kevin Magnussen's lack of brakes, but for the engine problems, the gear problems, how much of that could be blamed on the heat? I don't think it's all down to the heat. I think it's a very... It's not meant to be the hardest of tracks when it comes to, you know, how complicated it is for a driver to to do well at they often say if you make a small mistake it's actually a bigger mistake because of how short the track is you have less time to make up for as you go around the track but the one thing that that track is famous for is being a bit of a car breaker as they were calling it over the weekend a bit of a car wrecker car killer because the curbs are very very um hard i remember last year they were joking that we had the stoppers all over the track to stop max verstappen cutting corners and taking ridiculously wide lines um it's true. They should have ridiculously, you know, penalising curbs on the outside of the track because the point is you drive on the track, not off it. Um, yeah, so I think you could say it's down to that. But also, this is technically Australia. Although it's Austria, it's Australia. And quite often you find at the first race of the season there are a few um, retirements, including both Haas drivers. They usually retire at the first race of the season for one reason or another. And then they look like something Gunter Stein would say on, you know, well, behind closed doors, really. I'm sure he was, he loved, he loved yesterday afternoon. Um, but I remember thinking, Raikkonen, he, he was uh, out because his wheel nut flew off. Albon broke down. Kvyat, uh, he had a puncture. Russell broke down. Grosjean had a brake issue. Madison's brakes just decided not to work. Stroll uh, broke down. Ricardo got stuck in third gear, and Verstappen, yeah, his engine just decided it didn't like him anymore. He tried to change the setting, and the setting just broke the car and put it into anti-stall. So, mm. all and things you could you could oh, put God. all of these things down to, you know, general wear of going around quite a tough track on the car, or you could just say first race of the season, a few things are going to fail. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard more people talk about, you know, just how it's the first race of the season, it's been a delayed season, it's been a weird season, obviously they haven't had time to iron out all of the mechanical issues yet, so there's probably going to be more failures. Fair enough. Another team who were on the verge of disaster were Mercedes, who, whose drivers were constantly told, stay off the curbs, the car is on the verge of exploding. So, awesome that they're having problems already you could tell by towards the end that they were really iffy we'll that's the uh, message you want over the headset isn't it your car is this close from yeah Valtteri it's James this is urgent I mm. mean that would make me sweat to be honest 
Valtteri, Alex, it's James. It's James. Valtteri, it's James <laughs> normally means something terrible is going to happen. Yeah. I wonder how much of that's actually true or whether they just saw that other Mercedes cars had been struggling, Mercedes-powered cars had been struggling, and maybe that they might want to just turn the engines down a bit. But why would they was... specifically say stay off the kerbs if that was the problem? I think it's just mainly because of the front wing issues. People have had their cars shaken to bits, McLaren especially. Um, I mean, it was a sensor in the gearbox. I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if it wasn't that the shaking of hitting the kerbs constantly was causing a sensor in the gearbox to have a party by itself. Um, and it might not have been that the gearbox actually had an issue. It was just that the sensor was a bit sensitive to the track. Um because, I mean, they did turn their engines down, but I wonder whether that was more just, you know, being really, really desperate and not for anything to go wrong when realistically they probably could have just ploughed on to the end of the race regardless. Mm. They just avoided the curbs a little bit. Yeah. I've wanted to say this since the race yesterday, but Sponto Sebastian Spinala. Sebastian Vettel spun again. He did a spinala. What did we make of Sebastian Spinala? That was um, honestly completely his own fault. He had honestly no right to, to go in for that. Uh, he was putting the nose of the car where it really shouldn't have been. And I'm, I can't imagine he's, he's shocked at the outcome, to be honest with you. Um, it was it was a weird takeover attempt. And he doesn't really have the racing line for me. So, yeah, yeah it, it's... It's no one's fault but Seb's, truth be told. Mm. I mean, he had he had the racing line in that he could have still made the corner. He was just going well too fast, and there was a car already on the corner, i.e. don't overtake. Um, <laughs> well, we can talk about Ferrari in itself, but Vettel's finishing position in 10th is probably all uh, you know where the car deserved to be in realistic terms. Yes, he had a mm. poor race himself, but he was only there because of the retirements. Had he really, you know, had all those retirements that we spoke about, and there were n- uh, eight of them, there were eight retirements, I think, or nine retirements in the end, um, he probably would have been something like 14th had there just been less, because he was struggling to get back through the pack afterwards. Um, yeah, not a Is great this... day for Sebastian no. Vettel. Go ahead. Oh, he hit science as well, didn't he? Uh, he, he, yeah. he hit the person replacing him. That was funny. Anyway, sorry. That was quite ironic. Funny. Yeah. No. Um, is this indicative for Ferrari as a whole for this season? Do you think? Because I mean, we we spoke about this on the um, the podcast before lockdown, uh, previewing this season, saying Ferrari haven't come out uh, pre-season testing looking brilliant. They didn't. I mean, mm. for all of uh, Leclerc's, um, you know, decent performance, I feel like it was more him than the car what is in store for Ferrari this season? Because it doesn't look good. Mm, I mean, supposedly, according to Crofty and Brundle, Ferrari looks stronger on low fuel stints on harder tyres. Otherwise, they look shocking. And low fuel on harder tyres is the very end of the race, and that's where Leclerc excelled. But that was only because everyone was bunched up. Had there not been as many safety cars, and, you know, Verstappen and Albon and Stroll... And Ricardo, not all have retired. Leclerc could have been eighth, seventh, at best fifth. You know, it's it was a miracle he ended up where he where he did. 
The only reason I think he did was he just caught the McLarens by surprise at the end. Otherwise, I think we could have seen, well, other than his time penalty, Perez and Norris on the podium. Um, but obviously Perez got one for speeding in the pit lane, so he wouldn't have. But yeah, Ferrari looking completely off the pace and they're not getting any upgrades till Hungary. So they've got to do the Styrian Grand Prix next weekend back at Spielberg um, with no new upgrades and will struggle just as much. Yeah, and I guess the other thing we have to mention then, the other big moment other than Sebastian's hilarious Spinella, um, was Albon's crash with Hamilton. It Now, yes. I, I I don't know if it was Centre Deja Vu, but I'm pretty sure I've seen this one before. <laughs> Hamilton crashed into Albon to prevent Albon from getting a podium. Not that, let, let's face it, it, it didn't really matter... I've, in the end, it did for Hamilton. It didn't really for Albon because he had engine failure. So that engine failure would have probably still happened if he hadn't crashed. Did Hamilton deserve a five-second time penalty? This is probably the big yes. debate. I, yes, he I probably also did agree. because he took a driver out. However, I still think Albon shouldn't have been there in the first place. I don't think Albon is actually blame, blameless in this, and Vona's interview, he seemed to think he was less of, to blame. One thing you should never do at any point when you're racing is go around the outside at the end of a race when you're on quicker tyres and the person inside you is on slippery tyres. Because all that's going to happen is they will always understeer into you. We saw it at Hungary last year when Bottas was all over the place, slipping and sliding into Red Bulls and Ferraris alike. It was exactly the same here. Hamilton was on reasonably worn hard tyres, lost a bit of downforce because Albon was going round him. And although Hamilton probably left enough room for Albon to get past, he just got sucked in. And it was tyre on tyre, it wasn't bodywork on bodywork, but obviously Albon came off worse as a result. Yes, probably Hamilton deserved the five-second penalty because he hit him. It wasn't Albon that steered in, um, but... I think, realistically, Albon should have been more patient, waited for a better opportunity in the final 10 laps, rather than trying to do it on the 11th lap to go or the 12th lap to go, as he did. Fair enough. Obviously, Perez then got a time penalty. I don't know if we talked about Raikkonen's wheel just deciding it didn't want to bother in the end. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it feels like right. Alpha were trying to imitate Haas. Because I swear I've seen this one before as well. <laughs> at, the, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should mention Giovinazzi had a good race, finishing in ninth. He's a bit okay. of an unsung, unsung hero, but um, yeah, not good for Raikkonen. Um, and Alfa Romeo in general do look like the ninth or tenth best team, i.e. one of the worst teams this season. Yeah. Haas, Williams, and Alfa Romeo are actually probably going to be battling equally. Uh, between themselves, I think, this season, just given on which track they're on, because some some cars will do better at um, more power circuits and others at more downfall circuits. Mm. I always so I think we'll see those oh, three juggling. Sorry. I always try and keep some form of neutrality on this podcast when discussing sports, but see if you can guess who my favourite driver is off this. Oh my god, that last lap! <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. That was incredible. Lando Norris, out of nowhere, with a lap that's only really fitting of Eurobeat music, <laughs> went around, posted the fastest lap, and just got within the five seconds required to get third place off Lewis Hamilton. 
Wow. He didn't I feel just like do that last lap. lap. He smashed it. Yeah, yeah. Four seconds perfect. quicker. It was three or four it's... seconds quicker than the last one. You know, he'd been having troubles in the race. He said in his post-race interview that he'd, you know, he struggled to get to grips with the track and seemed to struggle with catching cars in front of him and was very vulnerable to cars behind him. But that last lap... Oh, yes. I mean, fantastic. You should have heard the noises that went up in, in our living room mm. when I, I, spent, I essentially just <laughs> shouted 4.8. Just, just looking at our chat, I think we can get a decent <laughs> uh, example of it. How many exclamation marks? Was that like 40? Oh, gosh. Fun fact, was yeah. Norris actually started on P4 or P5 at last year's Austrian Grand Prix? So he's quite good at qualifying laps around Austria, it seems. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he got promoted to third, his best start, and his best finish now. Ironically, there was a picture which came out, which was from his F3 race in back in, like, 2017, where he was in the final few laps and span off and lost it in a gravel trap or something, and literally just sat in the gravel and cried. Redemption. Mm. He's yeah. come back. And now he and has a podium. First podium. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But McLaren oh. looked quick. Very quick. Yeah. Did Mid someone uh, yeah. get him some milk afterwards? <laughs> he stopped drinking milk. It's ridiculous. Oh. We probably should mention Racing Point briefly, since we're on the topic of midfield uh, midfield cars. What the pink Mercedes? The yeah, the pink Mercedes. I mean, they seem to be spurting out smoke out of the back of their cars all weekend. But someone thinks that's more to just you know burning a bit too much oil at times rather than actually having a broken engine, which I'd be inclined to agree with. Because they still I'd say it's a tactic quick. to confuse their enemies. It's a smokescreen. <laughs> Defensive driving, yeah. Smokescreens, yep. Yeah. It's Mario Kart-esque. <laughs> we all know Speaking that of Mario Kart, actually, Kart the same. Um, that, someone needs to put that last lap from Lando Norris to, you know when you're on the last lap of Mario Kart and the music speeds up quite a bit? Just to, to that mm. uh, theme no. track. That no, no, special. you're though, B. That, 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 <laughs> that, that yeah. Mario Kart thing would actually break the internet. Um, but yes, Perez, I think, is probably the next favourite of somebody else to get a podium because Racing Point looked very strong all weekend. And he is definitely the better driver out of him and Stroll. Um, mm. Stroll, who seems to just still struggle to do a qualifying lap at the moment. Um, better race pace than qualifying, um, which is funny given his history of doing well in qualifying. So Alex Albon won driver for them. Surprised it's not Verstappen, to be honest. But... <laughs> Who was your drive of day? Obviously, I am going to go for Lando Novice. Yeah, I'd have to agree. That lap, though. Uh, I'm going to throw in... Who am I going to throw in? Giovinazzi had quite a, a good race, didn't he? He did. So did Ocon. But I'm going to say... my drive, I'm going to exclude just Norris, because we've already said him, and he really should have won it outright. Other person who probably deserves it would be uh, Bottas. I know he went. He led from start to finish, but every time that there was a uh, a safety car, he always just checked out from the rest of the pack straight away, and he actually had a faultless drive in the end. Nothing, nothing went wrong for him other than his car a bit. And Leclerc's, I mean, he did quite well, but I think he really got handed second place on a plate by some good driving at the end, which we know he has the potential for, but just many, many, many DNFs. 
And before we move on, in other motorsport news, Formula E have said that they will race on the full Monaco track in 2021, which I, for one, am very excited about. Because when they when they do that weird thing where they go down the side and then just come back out on another part of the track, it just doesn't feel right. It's like it's not proper Monaco. Don't even have the hairpin in. <laughs> Mo- Monaco is Monaco. It's iconic. Yeah, and... can't change Monaco. If you, if you change it like that, I th- feel like you take something away from it. Um, what were you even doing? Yeah, like there are other tracks where I think you could alter it in some ways, and it wouldn't matter as much. But it's almost like every every corner, every straight on Monaco is iconic in its own way, and yeah. it, it changed the setup, and you lose something. Yeah, exactly. The hairpin, the tunnel. All of the first sector is just not there in the Formula E race. So it's nice that we're bringing that in. Let's move on then. And we're going to be next talking about... what We we kind of started mentioning this on the article edition of the Sports Blitz. But I, I don't think I had a, quite a grasp of how big this story was going to be when we mentioned it. So last week, Ad Week shared a story that said that 87 investment firms and shareholders worth 620 billion asked Nike, FedEx and PepsiCo to terminate their relations with the Washington NFL team unless they changed their name. Then suddenly after that, we saw stuff start to happen. FedEx owner Frederick Smith said that the team had to change their name and then Nike threatened to remove remove all... In fact, they did. They removed all of the Washington memorabilia off the... T- off the company's website and said it won't come back on until you change the name and many other companies threatening a boycott as well it looks like now that change could could be happening the Washington NFL team have confirmed that they will have a comprehensive review into their team name and will look at changing it Ron Rivera has said that he and Dan Snyder have been talking about a possible name change for more than a month. And, quote, if we get it done in time for the season, it would be awesome, end quote. Meanwhile, according to Dan Snyder, started talking about changing the name with league officials about two and a half weeks ago. And that Rivera was clued in a week ago. So this was before everything started to kick off. And that they are looking to change the name as soon as possible. Three Washington minority owners are looking to sell their stakes in the team, totaling about 40%. So, we'll start with Washington, then we'll move on to the other two teams that are looking at change of their name or not. Will the name actually change? I, I, I think it like, kind of has yeah. to at this point. It has to, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, they cannot say after now, so it's much. Yeah, I mean, just after so much hay has been made out of the possibility of a name change at this point, if they don't, the backlash is going to be hilarious to watch. Just because, you know, you you don't let all of these deliberations leak unless you're already planning on doing something about it, and you just want to lay the groundwork, you know? If they decide to go back on it now, they just look awful and you know dan snyder's never cared about looking awful in the past but there's a difference between getting looked at because you're awful at running and managing a football team and driving it into the dirt or you know looking bad because of the racist reason yeah absolutely so what should the team name be then first of all snyder already owns Warriors, the Washington Warriors trademark. So they could have that. The Harlem Globetrotters have said they are willing to sell the name Generals to the Washington NFL team. 
So what yeah. what do we think is A most likely and B what would you prefer it to be called? Will you had some pretty good um I'm guessing Warriors is most likely. I did. Warriors is likely, but I don't like it because it seems just very generic. Um so the general's idea is bad because the generals literally always lose to the Harlem Globetrotters, so maybe don't bring that curse onto your already cursed franchise. Uh, my idea was the Red Tails, both after the uh, Black Air Unit in World War Two, I want to say. Yep. Um, yeah. Tuskegee and Airmen. yeah, the Tuskegee Airmen uh, fought in World War Two as an all-black air unit, and the fact that the red-tailed uh, red hawks exist, and you can honestly pick from either branding uh, and just let one be an homage to the other. Uh, it gives you some fun alternate logos. I mean, honestly, I think NFL teams should be more out there with how they design their uniforms and helmets, especially. Um, uh, and you can we've seen the Rams and Falcons stuff. go out there. I'm fed up of out there, personally. Oh, not with a logo, just, I think, with, with some of the designs on, on the helmets. Okay. The Steelers have had uh, the same uniform since 1970, and that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, no, and it, and it absolutely works for them. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think Red Tails is probably the best name you do, um, you know, just because of its flexibility. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, just echoing all of Will's uh, sentiments there. Unfortunately, the way these things usually work, the most logical and the best decision will probably not be made. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think something like Warriors is probably the most likely. And it's a bit of a shame because I feel like they've got the opportunity I don't... to be to do something you know yeah i don't hate the washington warriors i think it's a perfectly reasonable name you know we we have a successful warriors in in the world of sport golden state um it's just a bit yeah she warriors is already yeah, yeah it's, it's just a bit generic warriors. yeah are there any other you know instances where you have a basketball baseball or uh, ice hockey team that's got the same name as an american football team or a soccer team or something like that i can't think of one giants but san francisco and new york so pretty much the same team yeah yeah um rangers texas rangers and um, new, york, new york rangers new york yeah, yeah new york rangers we could keep doing this all day let's the washington night riders <laughs> there have been three different American riders. football teams called the Texans. Because mm. there's one in the whatever that weird league was in the seventies that didn't work, and then there was <laughs> the one in the UFL? CFL. It might it might have been the UFL, yeah. Then there was one in the CFL, and then obviously the current one. Bring back the Oilers, I say. Yes. More than that. The Tennessee Titans subreddit on Reddit, funnily enough, their logo is the Oilers logo, which I've always found a bit strange, but it is better than that Why? tadpole. I mean, because they used yeah. to be the Oilers. Well, yeah, but oh, they're no, not anymore. Well, yeah. They've not been since 1996. That is Were true. Um, so, so other than red tail hawks or red tails as a tribute, are there any other animals? Because quite often you see teams go with an animal that's uh, I've heard griffins. Why griffins? 
RG3 exists. But he's not even on the team anymore. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, they should name yeah. it after the biggest bust they've ever had at quarterback. Maybe aside <laughs> from Heath Shuler. The Washington <laughs> The Washington Shulers. Yes. I mean, it would make just about as much sense as the Oklahoma Sooners. Please don't at me, Sooners fans. I I don't know why. The Crimson Tide. (laughs) Would they be be Wolves? And we've got Timberwolves somewhere else, haven't we? Minnesota, but again, there's... You want something that speaks to your heritage. I know that's a bad word to use based on... The Washington Walruses. Yeah, the Walruses, because you can probably get them down (laughs) to the local aquarium. Mm. Are, Are they not massively seen at the uh, Potomac those uh, walruses yeah <laughs> I mean uh, it's... Alex Alex what about something that speaks to the heart and soul the uh, Washington Fitzpatrick's yes he's never <laughs> played for them though I mean he that's, will that's at some point issue. that yes. man's got oh you're think, talking about Ryan um... I was talking about someone else oh oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean they just <laughs> you just you serve these opportunities up, Josh, and it just—I'll <laughs> be honest. I thought that's what you were going for. But for... It was what I was going for. I'm about to say. Oh, okay. You I, I was talking about Ryan. They've not—it's not been a name used in Washington for a long time, but the Senators, because that's what yeah, we. Yeah, no, that's a good name. But maybe maybe don't name it after one of the most dysfunctional bodies in America. The Expos. Start thinking of well, mm. yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. Montreal can cry some more. I wonder if they'll just go the Washington Needlers after the Space Needle. That would just That's be not in very, Washington. Washington Wrong State. Washington. Oh, is this Washington Wrong D. Washington. D. This is Washington, D.C., yeah. yeah. Oh, I assume it was Washington well, State. Well, technically we're playing Landover, Maryland. Yeah, but that's just because D.C. is... Full. Like, yeah. <laughs> Expensive. Yeah. The Washington Swamp, man. Yeah. <laughs> God, what could possibly yeah. go wrong? The Washington Crab Cakes, after Maryland's most famous yeah. expert. Also, you do realise, if they'll call the Swamp Men, every time they lost on the NFL Blitz, I'd be like, wow, Washington are really in the swamp again. Hey! Hey! I'm funny, give me a job. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the other team who is now looking at changing their name, the Cleveland Indians have said they're going to take, undertake a comprehensive review of their name as well. It's it's looking more like they used more heavy-handed terms. Like we, I, I think they did essentially say we are changing the name. Terry Francone of the team Skipper said the name definitely has to change as well. Obviously, they removed, um, what was he called, General Wahoo um, off, yeah, off the I logo. So. It's now just a letter C, which, inventive, lads. Yeah. And, um... um I yeah. mean, there's an opportunity here. The Cleveland, at least, we're not Detroit's. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. there is only one at <laughs> The Cleveland, name. not Browns. If if you don't know, the worst team in MLB history played in Cleveland before the Indians did, and they were called the Cleveland Spiders. Spiders. Oh. It has to be Spiders, and I am not accepting anything else. Uh, um, sure. I'm trying to think of other bad names that I've ever heard of. It's not a bad name, it's a good name, it's Spiders. Okay, good name. Is it, can it be any sport? I, I didn't... what? Are we talking about any sport, any team? No, we're just talking about the Cleveland Indians. Okay. And their name change. I mean, that to me is yeah. still not as bad as the Washington name, because it's not actually a racist slur as defined in the dictionary. But it is still... Yeah. 
bad. Yeah, and I mean, look, there there are teams named after Native American, you know, tribes or symbols that do, you know, they they obviously have done it better because they've they've talked a lot with Native American the Native American tribe that they're named after. They've um, you know integrated their their business really well, and you know they just they've done it better. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think the Cleveland Indians are going to find something. Uh, yeah. they, couldn't they go know. with the same sort of thing and change it from what they've got currently spiders. to to more of a tribute of spiders? No, or not the spiders, but you know, spiders. <laughs> they look up on yeah. on you know find out which uh, Native the, American. I mean, honestly, they could do it with cross sport appeal. They could do the uh, Cleveland. Please come back, LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening, and we all know it. Cue yeah. because their whole economy is based on LeBron James. Yeah. Cue me playing this clip in 2022 going, well, he's back for a third time. <laughs> right, I mean, I know it's been taken, but Cleveland Trash Pandas. Yeah. Wait, it's been taken? Yeah, we've talked about this for Rocket City Trash Pandas. Oh, They're my course, favourite yeah. minor league baseball team. <laughs> I love them. But so many people over this week end up in producing spiders content and spiders uniforms. You've just got to go with the spiders now. Because everyone loves it. For that good juju, obviously. Yeah. You could also turn the current logo into a spider very easily. And then you can have like a Marvel tie-in. What, so one day they turn up in a, in a, in a uh, Spider-Man kit? Absolutely. That would be unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just kind of not ironic. That's the wrong word, but we'd never get this this sort of issue or or anything like that's occurring in England because we're so boring. <laughs> if you're not United or City or Town or Stanley, like I don't know, there's Alexandra. <laughs> oh, that's Athletic. proper out there, isn't it? That's out there. That's Athletic, proper out that's... there. Oh yeah, there's a team called Athletic. Wigan. Wasn't Sunderland? Sunderland's AFC Sunderland, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I'd mean to Association Football Club. Oh, is it a association? It's not Athletic yeah. Football Club. Finally, then, the Atlanta Braves have said they're not going to be considering a name change. And to be honest, I don't have a problem with the Braves. I know it's not up to me to decide what offends Native Americans or not. Hear that, white people on Twitter. It's not your job to decide. But it doesn't personally bother me because Braves in itself is not anything. It's just, you know, Braves. Mm. Which is fine with me. I don't think this is as big an issue as the Washington NFL team's name, which is literally a racist slur. Yeah, I think there's there's an important distinction to be made there. Like, um, Kansas City Chiefs, for example. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Mm. it doesn't, it doesn't, definitely doesn't have the same connotations. It doesn't have the same sort of impetus behind it. Um, I think, yeah, before we sort of talk about any sort of slippery slope regarding name changes, that we have to make that sort of distinction. One thing that, of course, never stops is the world of soccer. And I'm going to go around the room and ask both Josh and Harry for their game of the week. Starting with Josh. I mean, this will sound slightly biased, but I think... Okay, let's talk about Wickham versus (laughs) Fleetwood then. (laughs) Obviously, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think independent of my allegiances, uh, the United game was uh, brilliant. 
Eric Bailly doing Eric Bailly things again, uh, conceding a penalty, I think, 30 seconds after coming on. Um, it, but this this United side, for the first time in seven or eight years, is actually really, really exciting to watch. And you feel like they can just go out and score four or five with, you know, the pressure seems to be completely off Pogba. Um, Bruno Fernandes has, has taken that limelight away from him. And... Honestly, it seems like a good thing. He's he's not getting so microanalyzed all the time, and it's given him freedom to do things. And when defenders are concentrating on Bruno, then he gets a bit of space as well. And then that front three uh, of Marshall Rashford and uh, Greenwood, who has a fantastic breakout season, is no, just doing so well. <laughs> um, I'm not I was thinking about this earlier. Yeah. I was thinking out of all the teams that could be challenged Liverpool next year. Which teams are are they? And I think the top five will be made up of, and it will be a mixture of, not a this is the order, because I don't know where people sure. finish. Liverpool and Man City. Man City will still do well, but they'll definitely not do as well unless they make some quite ma- major changes, I think. They've got they complacent now. Uh, uh, what was the other one I was going to say? Leicester, I think they're still going to do well. They might slip off with the gas a bit, so watch out for that. Chelsea and Manchester United, other teams to watch. Mm. I I'm actually been surprised by how quickly Man United have just come back to football so easily. They've just gone, yep, we're back and we're going to hit four four goals every game. I'm slightly worried because I don't like Man United at all. Uh, United United Chelsea for me is going to be exceptionally interesting next season. Um, partly because yeah. um, okay, I know we're going on about games of the week, but um, just on a little bit of a tangent. Uh, I, I can't complain at tangents. <laughs> Uh, the, the signings that we've both made or are going to make and the way the squad's looking up is kind of similar in mm. attacking wise it's it's looking world class um and you know the front three and, and those many midfields but the defenses leave a lot to be desired so yep. I, I um i mean rudiger um a pretty dodgy maguire at the moment um what Victor Lindelof and Andreas Christensen, I mean, it doesn't speak world-class, does it? So it's it's interesting to see teams that want to go out and win games 6-2, 5-2, 3-2, 5-4, you know. That sh- they should make for some very interesting games. Yeah, it's yeah. Alex Ferguson in his first year all over again of M plus one equals victory. <laughs> Which is interesting to watch, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, fair. football is all about just scoring more than your opponent. As long as you score more, you're fine. Which is an interesting way of playing football, but you know, given the Premier League is quite a defensive league, and people like to think quite a lot of clean sheets, when realistically that's not the point of football. It's really just a score. Yeah, Chelsea and Man United are going to be two teams to really watch out for next year because they're looking scaringly good at times. There is nothing I dread more than a Man United versus Chelsea title race. That would be my idea of hell. Mm. <laughs> so how were the late 2000s for you, Alex? They were wonderful, thank <laughs> you. But again, I didn't really watch a lot of Premier League back... I don't watch a lot of Premier League now. But I didn't watch a lot of Premier League back then, so... I, I, I'll you be honest... Next year? Weird... Mm-hmm. <laughs> weird story. I was watch. I, I wanted to watch the Premier League years a couple of nights ago. And I was scrolling through and I was like, yeah, but Man United won that year. So mm. that's just going to be a bit dodgy. And anyway, I eventually settled on 0910. And it Good took season. about 30 seconds into it when I went, hang on, I don't like Chelsea more than I don't like Man United. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I watching this? And I decided hey. to go back to 92. And I just went, 
Do you know what? Oh, Forget no. it. 92, 93. You say you oh, dislike Chelsea more than you dislike Man United? Yeah, comfortably. How? What? Chelsea are everything wrong with everything. Sorry? <laughs> they are the only, they are one of two football clubs in Britain that I actually hate. Like, actually hate. What, what? Is the other one Manchester City, Brian? No, it's Millwall. Though Man City okay. should be up there, but their, their on-field product is also quite likeable. And Pep Guardiola says nice things about Marcelo Bielsa. So I like them. <laughs> no, anyway. Why Millwall? Of course Millwall. Because it's Millwall. It's Millwall. Oh, no one likes us. No one likes us. Millwall. I don't know if you've seen Leeds' clashes with Millwall in the past. Mill- Millwall are... Uh, they are just a tad rung below West Ham's clashes with Millwalls. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention before we move on. I was doing my fancy team, right? And yeah. the, I, I knew I wanted to replace three players. I'd got one out. I decided I was replacing one of my centre midfielders. And then it came down to two choices. I was either going to bring in Harry Maguire for John Lundstrom because Lundstrom's injured. Mm. Or I was going to take out Yotta and bring in Mason Greenwood. I picked Maguire. Mm, I've got Maguire at the moment and Rashford. Uh, I could have had Greenwood in. And the worst part was, the the thing that tipped me over to picking Maguire was... Well, Lundstrom's injured. He's going to be injured for most of the rest of the season. Sure. And, you know, Hotter's form's not been great, but he is a good player. Started on the bench! <laughs> I'm not mad. It's like Nadama uh, Traore. He often starts on the bench for Wolves. Right, anyway. Harry, your game of the week. Yes, my game of the week is Southampton 1, Manchester City 0. Strangely, um, it was funny watching Southampton clinch the lead for a, a very good Che Adams halfway line chip, um, which he perfectly placed into the back of the net after seeing ball off Alexander Zinchenko. Um, and the That's his game, first goal as well, isn't it? It is his first goal. Should have come to Leeds. <laughs> no, but then you got Kevin Augustin. Oh, oh yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for reminding are you, are, me. And you're also getting him for 19 million or something as well, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to cry. Bring what? out the lawyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read that. That was Let the weird. legal battle begin. Yep. Um, God, yeah. Leipzig are going to have a bit of money to spend on strikers because they're not just going to leave Paulson out there, are they? Um, anyway. Um, so, yes, they kept Man City out, which was unbelievable to see. So I'm, I'm going to say it was Southampton Man City. Okay, and we'll go on to my game of the week then, and or weekend I should say. And I've never, I haven't picked Premier League game in this yet, and this could be the chance for Premier League to absolutely sweep the board with games of the week, which is why I'm gonna go for Fleetwood one Wickham four, because <laughs> that was a game that truly had everything. In it, first of all, two goal, uh, three goals. Sorry, in the opening six minutes, Fleetwood and Wickham, sorry, taking a two-one lead. We'll get there eventually. Alex Cairns, former Leeds player, having an absolute nightmare in goals for Fleetwood Town. I have noticed that the Joe Jacobson corner was eventually credited to Alex Cairns' own goal, which is very disappointing. Then Louis Coyle, the other Leeds player who plays for Fleetwood, was sent off. So, all right. Uh, a brilliant game though I how, how do I how do I put this Fleetwood looked 
all over the shop and they they lost their call mostly mostly seen with the Paddy Madden red card it should have been a penalty in all fairness but you can't kick off like that the referee because that you're just asking for a red card at that point it was a very good performance from Wickham they looked cool they looked collected they were able to change to whatever Joey Barton was throwing at them and they should have more than booked their place in the playoff final again was it the Asante Samuel goal I think there was another absolute We'll call it ever from Alex Cairns again. Um, that that wasn't great. It seemed like Fleetwood were their own worst enemies in this game. And Wickham, bar the comeback to end all comebacks, will be playing at Wembley. In fact, I, I say that it does take place on Monday, which is obviously yesterday. So you, um, dear listener, will know how it finished by the time you're listening to this. We'll go through some of the other games then that happened this week and then we'll go into some wider football news. First of all, the other playoff game saw Oxford and Portsmouth draw one all at Fratton Park. The goals came from Curtis and Brown and that means that match is perfectly set for tonight and you already know the outcome. A couple of other games I wanted to go into then. Derby won, Nottingham Forest won. This was Quite the game. Joe Lolly scoring for Nottingham Forest in the 12th minute. Then Martin Waghorn sent off in the 93rd minute. Looked like it was all over for Derby until Chris Martin with some of the worst defending I've seen. And the free kick that set it up came from the world's most needless foul. Um, but Chris Martin with some of the worst defending I've ever seen. Put the ball in the net. 96 minutes. Derby getting a point that helps keep them in the playoff race. We have the DFB Pokal final on Saturday as well. Bayer Leverkusen 2, Bayern Munich 4. I didn't watch it. I knew what was coming. Bayern have now won the double and have the chance to win the treble in the Champions League. Life is wonderful. Harry, can you can you not just do us a favour and somehow come back from that? I'll, I'll be honest. Because... I don't like Bayern. I dislike Chelsea more. So <laughs> that that's just going to be a great fixture to watch. Just be like, yay, the team I don't like have scored. Yay, the other team I don't like have scored. Fun. Does anyone else have a game they want to mention from Saturday? And uh, no, Jamie Vardy so. got goal one hundred for Leicester. He did. So congratulations. Chelsea beat Watford three 0 Yay! Back to winning ways after that. We'll, we will come on Ham. to Bristol City versus Cardiff later as well for obvious reasons. And we'll come on to Brentford 3 Wigan 0 later, also for obvious reasons. Let's go on to Sunday then. Quite a lot of good games on Sunday. This wasn't one of them. Athletic Club 0, Real Madrid 1, Bilbao losing. And, oh no, more VAR discussion in Spain. I mean, it was a penalty for Real Madrid. It was objectively a penalty for Real Madrid, in my mind, anyway. Sergio Ramos scoring. He, I think he's Real Madrid's top goal scorer since the restart, which is absolutely fascinating. And I'm pretty sure most, if not all of them, have come from the penalty spot. So, awesome. Did Athletic Bilbao deserve a penalty in the 74th minute? Wasn't it for exactly the same thing in a picture you sent me? That it was literally, they got a penalty... For someone standing on someone's foot, and then Bilbao did not get a penalty for someone standing. Yeah, on Yeah, I thought it was a penalty. Yeah. Okay. Penalty. That's a surprise, and I don't think VAR even looked at it. <sighs> I mean, I I don't buy into the Madrid conspiracy theory where they are where they are on merit, but at the same time, 
I mean, this this is not helping. This is the third game that they have played in since the V-Star, where VAR has probably been the dominant conversation afterwards, and not just how good Real Madrid are. So, hmm. Later on in the day, Villarreal won Barcelona 4. Josh, you mentioned when we were talking about Man United and Chelsea that the teams ha- have all attack, no defence. So that's very much what yes. this game was as well. That goal, first of all, the Luis Suarez goal, brilliant, exquisite. But it got beaten by Antoine Griezmann's goal. By the way, finally, they've figured out how to play him centrally. And... You shock me. They they actually played him centrally, and he played brilliantly. He was absolutely wonderful. And that chip over Sergio Sancho was absolutely sublime. It it was the commentators I was listening to kind of compared it to a to a chip um, when you're playing golf, and it you know you're in the bunker, you chip it delightfully, and it goes straight in the hole somehow. Does it? it I mean, no. if you're good at golf, <laughs> you can uh... do that. It is possible. I can confirm it is possible. And Ansu Fati came on, played brilliantly again. Villarreal, they looked good going forward, but just couldn't get it done. And when when you have a Barcelona side that have actually woken up and started playing football, then, you know... I, it's different propositions. Yeah. Really, yeah. I'll be honest, though, I'm still not convinced about Kike Setien because the issue seems to be that when it goes wrong, he has no idea what to do which we have seen in the past. Obviously, it didn't go wrong today, so he didn't really have to do anything. Yeah, I've heard similar things about just stuff at Barcelona not going according to plan and it all falling apart at times this season. Also on Sunday, we saw Inter lose 2-1 at home to Bologna. Anyone who thought they were in the title race now definitely cannot believe it anymore. Lukaku scoring for Inter Milan, but his goal was ruled out by Musa Juava and uh, the guy who I always think is Mo Barrow who played for Leeds, but it's not Mo Barrow who played for Leeds, it's Musa Barrow instead. And yeah, mm, Inter did not look good in this game. They kept getting up the field and then doing nothing with it. And they've got Champions League football, obviously they've got Champions League football, but there is now absolutely no chance they are even going to get anywhere close to Juventus at the top of Serie A. Mm, it's a shame. We, would, we were hoping for a bit more of a title battle from the Serie A, really, but it's really sort of disintegrated before our very eyes, really, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, bit, of, bit of a shame, because it really, well, that and maybe with La Liga, but even that seems to be unfolding quite quickly. Mm. To be honest, was, I don't think I'd have was a surprise, though. Like we could have been optimistic and say, oh, it's going to be close. But I think it was quite obvious that Juventus and Real Madrid were going to run away with them. I say this, mm-hmm. I'm going to play something in a couple of weeks. I said, congratulations to Lazio, who won La... That's another team I hate. Congratulations to Lazio, who won La Liga. Uh, La Liga. Serie A. But, yeah. I don't no, think any of them were surprised, the to be perfectly honest. Okay, a few more stories from the world of soccer venom. There's only one place we can really start. Griffin Park saw Brentford 3, Wigan 0. But we're not going to talk about Brentford and the fact they've won every game since the restart. And we're not going to talk about the fact that Wigan just looked dreadful in this game and Joe Garner got sent off and didn't think he should have got sent off even though his studs were absolutely showing. Let's talk about Wigan, who this week have confirmed they are entering administration... 
we we mentioned this briefly on the article edition of the Sports Blitz, but since then, it's fair to say that the situation around Wigan has got about 20 times worse. There was a thread that went up from a Wigan fan that essentially claims, and we have to say claims at this point, that the whole takeover of Wigan by the current ownership and their state that got them into administration a week after the takeover was due to the fact that there has been a large bet placed in Asia for Wigan to go down. Obviously, entering administration automatically elicits a 12-point deduction. And this seems to have some legs to it because EFL chairman Mick Pavey was seen in a video talking well it was filmed in a video it wasn't actually the camera wasn't pointing us in but he was talking about the fact that he'd heard a very large bet had been placed on Wigan's relegation in Asia and this sort of a the large sort of bet that you know get that grabs the attention of the authorities and the EFL later confirmed video said it was Vic Parry what he said is true so they've now got lawyers in to investigate how Wigan have ended up in this state Andy Burnham and another local MP, I think it was Lisa Nandy, are calling for there to be a full and further investigation into the sale of Wigan Athletic and into them entering administration. I mean, this is just a mess. Yeah, and the, the we'll call them rumours at this point, coming out of of that sort of financial irregularity are almost unprecedented it, it seems bizarre it's a really sorry state for Wigan and their their fans especially to be in uh we know they've been you know long suffering for a while and just to see that occurring to yet another fan base is is just is it's not pleasant to see at all yeah absolutely and the weird thing for me is that i personally now obviously the fl rules state that any team that enters administration gets an automatic 12-point deduction. I wouldn't give it them. I, I think you have to scrap their 12-point deduction because at that point, you are if, if you have enough reason to believe that this is true, and judging by how the EFL have been acting recently, they may not have enough reason to believe it's true, but they definitely don't discount it. At that point, a 12-point deduction actually just rewards the people who you want to punish and punishes for people who you don't want to punish. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing then, how does this keep happening? The EFL do have a, apparently what they call, fit and proper persons test, but it seems to keep failing. I mean, I... This this test is... uh, It's like uh, exams where you get a mark for putting your name correctly on the front of the exam paper. It brings me back to what we said a while ago, which was, are you fit and proper? Yeah. Okay, Okay. Then. That's it. Well done, you've passed. So, surely now, we've had enough cases. The EFL needs a more than comprehensive review of the fit and proper person's test. Absolutely. I mean, you know, for every uh, case like uh, Wolves, for example, where the owners do really well for the club and the community, you get... A Wigan or a Bolton or Burley, uh, an Oyster, Sheffield Wednesday, Blackpool, yeah. Derby. So, There's nothing wrong with the owner. I just think he's a bit of a git. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely needs to be reviewed. It's almost like 
if you're going to have that sort of process, don't make it this... I don't know. It's not even a straw man, is it? What's what's the phrase? It's not um, a straw man. It's just non-existent. It's just it doesn't, non-existent. It doesn't do it? anything. It doesn't serve any purpose. So either have have a proper one that has a full investigation to whether these people are actually fit and proper or don't do it at all. Because yeah. this is daft. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to a few of the other stories then. Lionel Messi has reportedly said that he will not sign a contract at Barcelona until Bartomeu resigns. And he wants Bartomeu to resign before his time as president is up. Messi talks about how the players don't have a lot of power at Barcelona, or at least they're not running the show, which the board have said in the past, all the players are trying to sway their influence, they have too much power and they need to be stopped. So Messi was like, that's ridiculous. I mean, that wouldn't help them rumours if it is true. Is this sort of a kind of thing we'd expect Messi to do? I don't know if Messi would do it, but it's the thing where they say Barcelona hasn't had much player power. I'm pretty sure there has been quite a bit of player power recently in pushing managers about a bit and being actually quite a hard team to manage recently. I'd, I'd, no, I'd say that's more the fans. The fans were always on uh, Valverde's back. Mm. Like, despite the fact they won everything with him except for the Champions League. Um, he's obviously said he's, he has he hasn't signed a new contract yet. His contract expires in twenty twenty one. The same time that the board's current mandate is up, and it looks like Bartomeu is not going to run. And that's a very smart idea, considering that Bartomeu is about as popular in Catalonia as Real Madrid are at the moment. <laughs> so, I mean, surely. If you're Bartomeu, if this was true, if you're Bartomeu, you have to go. Because you cannot be the man who who cost Barcelona Messi. No, I think he'd probably get run out of uh, Catalonia, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. It, do we? How do we see this going, then? Do we think Messi is going to sign a contract extension? Do we think Bartomeu is going to... I don't think Bartomeu is going to resign. He's not... He's not the type of person to do that. Even if he thought no. it was for the good of Barcelona, he wouldn't do it. Uh, so do we see Messi staying? Yeah. It... I don't know. I, I, I don't see... If this is true, I don't see how this stalemate ends. I don't think Messi wants to leave Barcelona. Um, I don't think it's easy for him to do so. He's not going to get that sort of treatment uh, or... He doesn't have that sort of place in any other club, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is he, 33 now? 33, I think. It kind of feels like Messi might back down. Yeah. But um, that's a big, big if, and that's dependent on a lot of factors. Uh, but I think that's more likely than uh, a resignation, to be honest with you. Yeah. Right, let's just go full ridiculous then. Sure. If he leaves, where does he go? I mean, the obvious answer is back to Newell's old boys. He would go I wouldn't to... be shocked. No, go ahead, sorry. One of Manchester City, if Guardiola was still there. Mm-hmm. I could see Messi trying to do that. His contract is also up in 2021. 
Yes, but if Guardiola said, oh, I might get Messi to Man City, then I think there would be the option for that. Unless Guardiola was going back to Barcelona, in which case we wouldn't see him leave. Um, I've heard Juventus have been one of the favourite teams, but I think that's people, oh. people oh. dreaming of Ronaldo yeah. and Messi in the same team more yeah. than anything. I think Inter Milan could be a possibility. A bit of resurgent Inter Milan hmm. with a bit of money trying to rival Juventus. They might say to Messi... Here's the biggest, biggest contract you have ever seen in your life. You know, bigger than anything Barca could ever have offered you because we're offering you practically the entire club hmm. um, sort of paycheck. But I'm going to go with Schalke because who does want to play under David Wagner? Obviously. <laughs> yeah. It's like saying he he's gonna he's gonna go to Middlesbrough because he would like to play under. Uh, ah, Martin reverse Ford. Martin Braithwaite. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Reverse Martin Brathwaite. I apologise. Yeah. You take my breath away. Let's <laughs> move on then. Let's move on then. Let's go to St. Pauli, who have confirmed that Joss Lakai is leaving. If you remember my championship review for News last year, when I said, Steve Bruce is great, isn't he? Joss Lakai, not so much. Yeah, that's, that's, that still works. Actually, the Steve Bruce is great part doesn't work due to how he left Sheffield Wednesday. But the Joss Lakai, not so much part absolutely does. At no point this year did St. Pauli really look convincing like a good football side. The 5-3 defeat to Vehen was absolutely the nail in the coffin. And... Yeah, thank the Lord, because I am not a big fan of Joss Lecay. Though, I would just like to say, if you're looking for a manager who knows how to take St. Pauli from the near bottom of this five Bundesliga into the Champions League, and if you want somebody who can do it whilst making Dimitris Diamantikos, I know he's leaving, the best player in Europe, then I know someone who might be just the perfect fit for St. Pauli. Also, I want to live in Hamburg. Please give me the job. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think that's going to happen. Another job I'm not going to get is the Bristol City job. They lost 1-0 to Cardiff at the weekend. Lee Johnson has been sacked. Now, Alex Towles, who wasn't able to come on the show today because he's dyeing his hair, I don't think that's an excuse, but it could be an excuse. Um, It's usually drying your hair, isn't it? That's the excuse, but... Yeah... He said um, to me earlier, quote, it's, it was probably the right time for him to go, though I'm not sure what's going to happen next. At their best, Johnson City were free-flowing passing side, so Hewton is the natural upgrade from Championship Manager to Upper Level Championship Manager, that's lower half Premier League Manager in terms of system. And then we talked about Michael Flynn for a bit, because I'm honestly quite petrified that they could get Michael Flynn, and that, no, don't. The thing about Lee Johnson is that when Bristol City were hot, they were the best side in the Championship. But when they were cold, everyone could see their own breath. <laughs> so what might affect them get? Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I personally, like we said in the two-minute drill, which... Definitely doesn't give away how I'm editing this podcast. Um, I think Chris Hewton is the best manager to replace him. I'm surprised by Michael Flynn being linked because I don't think Newport are all that. Ryan Lowe is another good pick as well. I, I, it, with what he's done at Plymouth, he'd be a good pick for them. But I'd personally take Chris Hewton or Aitor Karanka because he knows how to get promoted from the Championship. Another thing to mention then is the Dry Liga in Germany, which finally finished its season. You might remember we talked about how fascinating the picture was in the Dry Liga. And congratulations to Bayern 2, who are the champions of the Dry Liga. 
Bayern Spy are not allowed to be promoted. So, congratulations to the Versberger Kickers, my favourite side in the Dry League, purely based on their name, who have been promoted in their place. Instead, Well, they would have been promoted anyway, they finished second. Braunschweig finished third and get the second automatic promotion spot. And Ingolstadt are going to be playing Nuremberg tonight in the first of the Bundesliga, in the, in the first of his five Bundesliga relegation playoff battles. So, congratulations to them three sides. Kaiserslautern finished mid-table, which is disappointing. And Kemitzer, Prussian-Munster, Grosserspach and Jena were relegated. Final thing to talk about, my favourite tweet of the weekend from the British Transport Police in Nottingham. You might remember earlier we talked about how Derby scored in the 96th minute to get a draw against Nottingham Forest. While British Transport Police Nottingham tweeted out, Officers attended a report of persons in the canal opposite Nottingham Station. A Forest fan had jumped in to celebrate a win over local rivals, unaware of the late equaliser. Congratulations. Brilliant. That was, yeah. Um, yeah. Just a few more stories going to then. Oscar Lindblom, the Philadelphia Flyers hockey player, is now cancer-free. The doctors who were working on him said it was kind of a miracle that he recovered so quickly and so well because I can't remember the exact name of the cancer he had, but it was very aggressive. And therefore, they were very surprised. He's got a very low survival rate. But he rung the bell last week. He's now cancer-free. Congratulations to Oscar Lindblom. And um, we're all very happy for him and his family. Hearts and Partick Thistle's case to have their relegation overturned will go to arbitration by the Scottish FA this week. The biggest news, obviously, Joey Chestnut has won the men's hot dog eating contest at Nathan's in New York. The only reason I bring that up is he's now won it 13 times. Can you think of a athlete that has won anything, any tournament 13 times? He is the GOAT. I think the closest is Federer at Wimbledon with 12. or Nadal, No, sorry, it was Nadal at the French Open with 12. See? the GOAT right here, Joey Chestnut. And we mentioned this earlier, Justin Warwasser has got his three percenters tattoo removed. The three percenters obviously a alt-right group in America. And Harry, you want to talk about cricket for some reason? Well, yes, because England's test team returned to full action on Wednesday against the West Indies at the uh, Rose Bowl in Southampton. Um, and we obviously have the news that England released a 13-man squad. They have a 13-man squad now, um, which excluded both Johnny Bairstow and Moen Ali, no places for them. Um, Sam Curran ruled out through sickness, but he tested negative for COVID, so all is well there. Um, and it's also been released that England will have games against Pakistan. They'll have three test matches, three 2020s, and also three ODI games versus Ireland uh, later in the summer which is really good news because uh i've missed a bit of cricket on tv and even better recreational cricket has returned so yeah cricket clubs can start playing again as of this weekend actually oh brilliant um very happy to hear that after what seems a ridiculous exclusion for a village to be honest with you um what you have to do just you know desanitize the ball every yeah. now and again and yeah, it's the, one of the easiest sports to social distance as well. I really didn't get the um, the ban, and I'm very glad that's been rectified. Yeah, I mean, originally it was the ball was, you know, you could transmit the virus via, via the ball, but actually it then got revealed that actually the ball is actually reasonably safe. Um, and then it was match tees and changing rooms, which apparently are crucial to the sport. 
bring your own match tea if you want a match tea. You don't need yeah. a match tea. And just just come changed for the match. Mm-hmm. You can always go behind the clubhouse and stick on your shorts afterwards if you want to. <laughs> it's fine. But that's what we got for cricket. But cricket's back. Yay. Okay, and let's go on to On This Day, Van. Right, so in 1906, On This Day, Satchel Paige is born. Paige spent the majority of his years in the Negro Leagues before signing with the Cleveland Indians on his birthday. He also spent time with the St. Louis Browns. He was an MLB All-Star in 1952 and 1953, won the World Series in 1948, and was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1971. I was very uncomfortable saying that. I mean, it is historically accurate, though. Yes, I know. In 1914, the Baltimore Orioles owner Jack Dunn offers future baseball legend Babe Ruth, Ernie Shaw, and Ben Egan for $10,000 to Connie Mack of the Philadelphia A's. Mack refuses due to lack of finances. Not the last time the A's would miss out on a great player due to lack of finances. In 1948, the Cleveland Indians stunned the MLB by signing 42-year-old veteran Negro Leagues pitcher Satchel Paige. Again. In 1974, in the World Cup final at the Olympiastadion in Munich, Gerd Müller gets the winner as West Germany beat the Netherlands 2-1 for their second win of the tournament. In 1974 as well, New Zealand announces a ban of all sporting teams from South Africa due to the country's apartheid policy. In 1992, South Africa beat Cameroon 1-0 in the first FIFA section match the country has played in 20 years. Can anyone guess why that happened? Why they didn't have a FIFA sanctioned match for 20 years? I bet you can't. Was it apartheid? Oh, well done, Will. (laughs) Buzzers. Uh, And in 2013, the final German Grand Prix is held at the Nürburgring Grand Prix circuit. Not the big long Nordschleife, unfortunately, although it's very dangerous. Vettel wins for Red Bull, uh, followed by Lotus' Kimi Raikkonen and Roman Grosjean. Okay, and let's move on then to the two-minute drill, and it is actually two minutes this time. I'm timing it like they properly do on big TV shows. So, are we ready for shorter answers? We're still going over. Yes. We're still probably going to go a bit over. Right, starting in three, two, one. Is Bottas the favourite for the Styrian Grand Prix? I yes. don't think so, yes. no. Ooh, I'm going to give it to Verstappen. Really? No. I just think Hamilton's no. going to come back. Yeah, that's fair. No. Uh, a Burnley fan has said he doesn't want to see his team qualify for Europe on BBC Five Live. Your reaction? Absolutely insane. I mean, if if I I don't want to be a mid-table mediocrity team, and that's all he wants. He just wants them to finish between eighth and fourteenth every year. That's boring. Yeah, I guess. Why would you ever want your team to just be the mediocrity of the league? I mean, the only positive thing is the amount of times we've seen a team like Burnley struggle when they it was it was Burnley last year go into Europe struggle end up almost facing a relegation battle just because they were overplaying themselves on a Thursday night so mm. it's a fair point right why wouldn't you want it who should replace Lee Johnson at Bristol City Chris Hewton that's actually such a good pick yeah I can't argue with that game of the week I'm gonna go with Derby versus West Brom Team Butler versus Team Stokes. Not a clue. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's probably going to be some. All right, like West and Ham. Nottingham can Forest I... play Fulham tonight. Who is your pick? I'm going to go with a one-all draw. Is it at uh, City Ground or Craven Cottage? City. Uh, Forest then uh, one-nil. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Jimmy Conrad, 2-2. Brilliant, we did it just in time as well. <laughs> Woo, we finally actually did a two-minute drill in two minutes for the first time since wow. the radio days. Get in there, Alex. Did Get in there. Manage, did we even manage to do it in two minutes on yeah. the radio, ever? Yeah. Wow. Because wow. we had to. Because then I'd just start talking and go, that's the end. Which I'm going to do now. A lot of things have changed over our time on the Sports Blitz, but the ending that I've just mentioned hasn't. Anyway, that's all the time we have on the Sports Blitz today. Thank you for listening. My thanks go to Harry, Josh and Will. The intro and music on the Sports Blitz was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. We're back on Friday at 5am with another podcast. I hope you'll join us then. But until then, I've been Alex Woodward and don't just have a good week. I'm the best player in NFL history. Have an immaculate one. Goodbye.